You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today we are starting a brand new series. It's called A Better Life. I don't know about you, but I'm sure... I can think of several areas in my life where I think I could be a little bit better or I want it to be a little bit better. Anybody out there, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's probably at least some area, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your parenting, um, whatever it might be. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your dating life, uh, maybe it's college, whatever it might be. There's surely some area in your life you say, man, I wish it was a little bit better. Well, I've got some good news for you. God's word has given us a way to live a better life. Here's what I'm not talking about, though. I'm not talking about a perfect life. I'm not talking about sunshine and rainbows type of life. I'm talking about how God has given us some principles to live by so that we can live a better life here on earth. Why? Because we're not doing it our way. We're doing it God's way. And so here's the thing. We're going to look at Exodus 20 today, but the first thing uh, we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. And so basically for the next 10 weeks or nine weeks, not including today, we're going to dive into the principle behind each commandment uh, because these commandments are incredibly vital to today, just as, vi- as vital as they were thousands of years ago. In fact, point number one I'll make is this. Uh, it's on your notes. It says this, the 10 commandments are principles for living. The principles for living should be right there at the top. And I would just add this in parentheses. They're principles for living a better life. Like if we do these things, If we abide by these things, our lives will get better. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. The Ten Commandments, though, are not just a list of to-dos and don'ts or rules that we should follow. They are principles to live by. And that's where we get confused. That's where the world says, well, now you don't tell me what to do. You don't, how, who are you to tell me that I can't do this or I should be doing that or whatever? People look at it just face value and all they see is this list of rules. It's not rules. They are principles for living. These principles enhance our lives because they enhance our relationship with God and with others. The two most important relationships in our lives with God and with others, with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your friends, Our relationships are enhanced, and because of that, it leads to a better life. It leads to a better life. The commandments are the very nature of God expressed in terms of moral commands. It's God's nature expressed in a way of commands that we can receive and actually know him better, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But think about this. Think about a world world without God. In fact, I would think our, our culture drifts, is drifting rapidly towards that way of not acknowledging that there is a one true living God. Uh, used to, maybe in America, not so much, but nowadays it's popular to believe that, well, if there is a God, he's not alive, and there's a bunch of different gods, and there's a bunch of different ways to heaven. But without God, who established right and wrong, right and wrong are just personal beliefs or opinions. Where does it come from? We can go back And in the very center core of our being, God has placed in us right and wrong for a reason. He is the one that judged it from the very beginning. Without God, take it to the extreme, I can murder and I can say, well, I murdered that person and it's fine. And you can say, well, it's not fine. But who's right if God's not involved? It's personal opinion. I can say it's fine. You can say it's not fine. I can do whatever I want, 
with no one holding me accountable. With no one holding me accountable. Without God, though, all morality is just personal belief uh, or just personal opinion. So, simply put, without God, our world is chaos. And let's make that personal. Without God in my life, my life will be chaos. Because I have no foundation, no code, no judge to live by. I just do whatever I want. But hear me in this. People reject God because they don't want to be told what to do or uh, they want to do just whatever they want. But true freedom comes from moral self-control and not doing whatever I want. If you want to experience the true freedom that God has for you, the true best life that God has for you, it's not in doing whatever I want. It's not in someone not telling me what to do. It is by abiding and having the self-control to morally live by what God has for us. And think about it this way. In the past 3,500 years, no one has ever come up with a better plan to make this world a better place other than God and his Ten Commandments. No one ever has. It's never succeeded. Anything that has been good has had some form of the principle behind these commandments within it. No one's ever done it. And I got, I got news for you today. No one ever will. It's only the living God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has principles for your life. When you apply them, receive them with humility, knowing that you might have to change some things, but then you apply them to your life, your life will drastically change. But here's what's even, let's take it a step further. This is the first point for the day. Ten commandments are an invitation to a closer relationship with God. Let's flip the script here. People look at the Ten Commandments and we think, well, that's just a, it's a bunch of rules that if I don't follow them, God just keeps me at a distance. And if I don't do them, or if I do them, I, I might be able to be close with God or hear from God or be near to God. But let's flip the script here a little bit. The Ten Commandments are actually an invitation into a closer encounter and relationship with God. And here's where it gets fascinating. Let's look at this in, in Scripture. Exodus 20 Verses 1 through 2. We'll start here. I'm going to read from the New King James. It says this. And God spoke all these words. So the Ten Commandments, who spoke them? Did man come up with it? No. God spoke all these words. Verse 2. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Let's stop here for a second. He's getting ready to give the Ten Commandments. And here's the, the, what he, the statement before the Ten, basically. And he says, I am your God, not the God, not the one true God. I'm your God. God, from the very beginning, always desired to have a personal relationship with you. Always. He wants to be close with you. He wants to commune with you on a regular basis. He wants relationship. He doesn't want to be off in a distance somewhere, off in heaven somewhere, like you may think with his arms crossed saying, well, you should just try better or do better. That's not God. His desire is that he would be your God and that he would be with you and walk with you and commune with you and talk to you and you would talk to him and you would do life together. Not just today, not just after Jesus rose from the dead, even before, that was always his desire is to be a personal relationship with you. But before giving the Ten Commandments, he reminds them that he was the one that redeemed them out of slavery. He's the one that redeemed them out of slavery so that they could have a relationship with him. Here's what's cool. He's done the same thing for us. Now, you may have not have been a physical slave, 
But scripturally, you were a slave at some point. Let me show you. Romans 6, 6 says this. Our old man was crucified with him, with Jesus, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So God is saying he has the right to speak into your life and say, here's the Ten Commandments for you. Here's some principles to live by. He says, I have this right because I've redeemed you and I've set you free and I've rescued you out of your hopeless, lost situation. And it's the same way today. I may have not have been a physical slave to some person or in some land, but I was a slave to sin at some point in my life. Whether today or, or in my past, whenever I, before I gave my life to Christ, I was a slave obeying a slave master called sin. But Jesus came and said, you don't got to obey that thing anymore. You can be free of that. You can be free of that, that sin. You can, be, you can have closeness with the Heavenly Father now because of what I've done. He has freed us from this. And because of that, just like God could speak into the lives of the children of Israel, he has the right to speak the same principles into our lives today. Do you see how many times we can read these stories and say, well, it's a great story for them thousands of years ago, but it applies directly to us. It's a foreshadowing of what applies to us today. So God redeemed us out of slavery, just like he delivered Israel out of slavery. Here's the main point, though. How we respond to these commandments that follow determines the depth of our relationship with God. Let me say that again. How you respond to the Ten Commandments that follow will determine the depth of your relationship with God. God has put the ball in your court, as they say. How will you respond back to what I am saying to you? And let me show you, this is pretty fascinating. In verses 1 through 17, Exodus 20, 1 through 17, God gives the Ten Commandments. It says that all of Israel heard this. Some theologians believe that even, potentially even all of the world heard the voice of God give the Ten Commandments from the mountain. I don't know, you, either way, a lot of people heard it, okay? Millions of people heard the voice of God. For sure, Israel heard the voice of God. Everyone did, not just Moses, everyone did. They heard it, and look what happens next in verse 18. So God gives it out. The clouds, their thundering voice, he gives it out. Here's what happens in Exodus 20, verse 18. It says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings. There we go, all of them did. The lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. This is where God's presence was. And when they saw it, they trembled and they stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. They heard God speak but they were too afraid to lean into it. They, they turned in fear, basically. Let's look at verse 20. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that, that his fear may be with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick, the thick darkness where God was. So God gives his commands. And there are two responses. The children of Israel, the, the, the people of Israel, we out. <laughs> uh, this is too much. This is too uh, intimidating. I, I don't like the thunder. I don't like the smoke. I don't know how I feel about this. Moses said, I'm going in. He leaned into the commands of God. The Ten Commandments are an invitation. 
And you have a choice how you respond. Will you respond like the masses and go the other way? Or will you respond like a spiritually mature person and say, I'm going to lean in to what God is saying here. And that's the difference. But listen, listen to me. Moses determined that he wanted a deeper relationship with God. But the people determined that they wanted a relationship with God through Moses. Can I just say this happens all the time in churches across our world. Right? Pastor, you, hey, you go, you, you fast, you pray, you read your Bible, and you let me know what God says on Sunday. Right? God doesn't want that kind of relationship with you. Can I tell you? The same way God talks to me, he wants to talk to you. The same way God gives me insight from this book, he wants to give insight to you. The same way God shows me how to be a better husband, how to be a better, better father from this book, he wants to show that to you. The same way God shows me how to get, uh, be better at, at work, how to have more self-control, how to have the fruit of the Spirit, he wants, that. he wants to show you that. The same way he shows me. Yes, God has anointed me for this position, but God loves you enough where he wants to sit down in your room in your quiet time and, and spend some one-on-one time with you as well. And that's what Moses understood. He was, I'm sure, I'm sure he was nervous as well, and we see it in Scripture. But where did he go? I'm going in. I want to find out more. Look at this. Psalm 103 verse 7 says this. God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. This is fascinating. So the children of Israel knew what God did, right? They could see it. Moses knew why God did it. And that's the difference. The children of Israel knew what he did. They could see it. But Moses leaned in and he knew why. God, you're giving me these commands. Why? God, you're saying I need to do this, this, and this. Why? Moses understood the why. Everyone else just knew what we should do. And if I only know what I should and should not do, that is the burden of religion. Relationship comes from, all right, I see that you're giving me this list of principles and and commands Why, though? How will that affect my life? Rather than, I see you're giving me this list of to-dos and don'ts. Don't tell me what to do and turn my back to God. Or try to just obey it at face value. That's religion versus relationship. The burden of religion is all of these to-dos. I'm not supposed to do that. I shouldn't say that. Rather than, Lord, I know why I shouldn't. And if I know my why, just like in anything, in my job, in, my, in, my, in my, my marriage, if I have a why behind it, I have much more passion. And it's the ease of doing it is so much greater. So much greater. So the question is this. Do you want a relationship with God that is based on thou shalt not? Or do you want a relationship with God that is based on principles that allow you to go into a deeper relationship with him and that will lead you into a better, more fulfilling life? Do you want God to just be thou shalt not, thou shalt not? Or, Lord, I know why I shouldn't. Thank you for revealing your heart to me. Now I can live based on your principle, your plan for my life, and I can experience your goodness to the fullest amount. See why these are so important? Ten commandments aren't just some list that we put up somewhere and try to do them. No, they're principles to live by, and it's an invitation to be even closer in relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, Based on that, <laughs> I have two points for the first commandment. Okay, so I took two for th- just to talk about the series for a second. Let's talk about it. The next point is this, worship God only. 
This is at the beginning of the list. You know, when I was planning out this series, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do like a top 10. Like we'll start from the 10 and work our way down to one. And then God quickly reminded me, no, I put them in this order for a certain reason. And I was like, yes, sir, let's do that. Okay, so uh, let's start with number one because the number one and number two and three are the foundation for all the others. If you don't understand these, if you don't understand the first one specifically, you will not understand and the, under, uh, truly be able to apply the principle of the ones to follow. And so let's look at it. Exodus 20, verse three, it says this, you shall have, have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Here's what God is. He's not saying that you can have other gods beside him. It would seem that way based on the translation that we're reading, right? Like you can have other gods, just don't put them before me. I, I got to be number one God. You can have all the other gods. That's not, that, let me clear that up. That's not what God is saying. He is not saying that. We have to realize he is clarifying because the, the children of Israel had been in Egypt 400 years. And Egypt had more gods than any other society or culture. They had more gods. And so all they knew was multiple gods. That's all they knew. And so they had been ingrained in 400 years worth of culture of saying, there's more than one God. That's just your God. These are our gods. They had to uh, be be kind of uh, broken of that, if you will, detoxed of it, if you will. Other translations, let me show you this. Other translations for the root word before, it says this. So here's some other ones that give us some clarity. Other translations say this. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall have no other gods in front of me. You shall have no other gods behind me. You shall have no other gods because of me. You shall have no other gods in my face. You shall have no other, no other gods against me. You shall have no other gods other than me. Same root word, but God covers all of his bases. <laughs> not beside, not in front, not behind, not anywhere other than me. He said, I'm the true God. I'm the one that can deliver on the promises. I'm the one that can do that. Our God is the only God who is alive. Let me make that abundantly clear. He is the only one who can deliver on every promise he's ever made, the promise of peace, the promise of healing, the promise of joy, the promise of giving you a fresh and new identity in Christ that is better than anything that your parents gave you or someone called you when you were a little kid or someone tried to put on you as a boss at work. He wants to give you a fresh identity, and he's the only one that can deliver on giving you that fresh identity. Belief in other gods or other ways to get to heaven. Well, I mean, there's one God, but you can get to heaven however you, you know, there's different ways. Let me tell you, it is futile. It's exhausting. It's impossible. There's one true God. There's only one way to the Father, and his name is Jesus. And when I submit to him and I walk in agreement with his will, I will make it to heaven, and even better, even then, I can be a part of his family here on earth. I can experience his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I can experience his will for my life here as it is in heaven. I can walk in peace. I can walk in identity. I can walk in dominion and authority over my spiritual enemy. Only one God can do that. There's only one who is living. Isaiah 45.5 says this, I am the Lord and there is no one else. There is no God except me. There is no God except me. I don't know about you, but that gets me fired up. Like, we on the right side, people, okay? <laughs> like, we're... We got it figured out. That's a good thing. Not that we've, we've ever, uh, you know, got totally figured out, but we are. We're on the right side. To think about it this way, to worship God only, to put that kind of priority on the one true God in your life. There's a reason that we are called the bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. It's because we are to have that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are to be extremely close, and we are to be extremely devoted 
to him the same way that a husband and a wife should be devoted only to that person, not to other people, not involved with other people, only to that person, only to that person. This principle applies that we apply in marriage of being devoted to one person applies to us and God as well. In fact, another way to think about it is this way. One thing that I've noticed, and I've heard other pastors talk about this, is that if you can't serve your spouse, you will always struggle to serve God. You need to learn to serve your spouse, who you can see, who you can hug, who you can kiss. Learn to serve your spouse well. And in doing so, it's going to help show you how to serve God well. The last thing is this. Put God first. This is the principle behind commandment number one. Put God first. News for you. God will not be second to anyone, anything, nothing. Either God's first in it or he's not in it at all. So you can apply that to any part of your life. Either God's first in your marriage or he's not in it at all. Either God's first in your job or he's not in it at all. He will not be second. He is first or nothing else. Either God's first in my finances or he's not at all. I've got to make a decision to put God first. Putting God first, though, hear me in this, is a spiritual discipline and a practical discipline. A lot of people do it one or the other. It's both, spiritual and practical. Many people put God first spiritually, but they don't ever do it practically, right? An easy example is they would put God first, you know, in their day, and they spend time in prayer, but they, they won't give their tithe, which is scripturally we see is, is a way of putting God first. One example. But let's use that example on the other, side, the other side. Many people will practically put God first. They give their tithe, but they hate doing it. <laughs> they don't do it spiritually. They grudgingly doing it. I'm just supposed to do this, so now I can be blessed or whatever misinformation they got. They do it practically, but not spiritually. It's both. We've got to learn to do both. Putting God first is a practical discipline and a spiritual discipline. Let me show you. The, putting, the, the principle of putting God first is all through Scripture. Let me give you a few examples. When Jericho was conquered by the children of Israel, and God said, bring all, all the silver and gold into the house of the Lord. Why? Jericho was the first city. After that, they could keep things for themselves. But he said, it's first, it belongs to me. That's what God said. He's always first. God said, when you, you, your livestock has a firstborn, that, os, that offspring, he said, sacrifice it to me. This is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. He says, sacrifice it to me. Why? A firstborn being sacrificed to God puts God first. He didn't say, <laughs> wait until you have 10 lambs, then give me the lamb that's always getting in your garden, that's always messing things up. Give me the one that's super annoying that you can never catch. Give me that one and you keep the others. No. He said, give me the first. Why? Because that takes faith. First. God said, when you have a harvest, give the first fruits to me. Not the last fruits. Don't pay all your bills and see if you have enough fruits left over. No, he said, give me the first. And this principle is exactly why in the Old Testament we see that God accepts Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's. He accepts Abel's, but he rejects Cain's. This is 2,500 years before the Ten Commandments or anything is mentioned of the tithe. The principle of the first has always been in place. God is first. God has established and has already established that the first is always his. Let me show you in Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Key words here, 
Let's look at it. Cain brought an offering, not the first. When? In the process of time, not immediately. Two key things to take away. Did he put God first? No. That's not his first fruits. Abel brought what? The firstborn. He puts God first and he is blessed because of it. Firstborn. God is first. God is one. He is the only one. Jesus echoes the same principle, right? So let's look, Genesis, let's go to the life of Jesus. What does he say? Matthew 6, He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Look, when I put God first, I am opening a door for God to work and to move in my life. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I'm gonna put you first. I acknowledge you first. I'm gonna put you first spiritually. I'm gonna put you first practically. I'm gonna put you first in every area of my life because I believe, Lord, that if you're not first, then you're not in it at all. And Lord, I need you in my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you at my job. I need your help to deal with that boss of mine. I need your help to parent this wild kid that God gave us. Lord, I need your help. How does it start? Put him first. Elijah showed this. Let me give you one more story. Elijah showed us this principle in 1 Kings when God tells him to go to Zarephath. And there he meets a widow who was gathering materials for her final meal for her and her family. And after this meal, she is fully expecting to die of starvation. It's over. And here's where Elijah shows up. 1 Kings 17, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Go, go gather materials. But make me a small cake from it where? First. Sounds like the man of God's being a jerk here. Like if you read this at face value, but let me show you the principle. Bring me, make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me. Afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of your flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Verse 15. So she went away and she did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which He spoke by Elijah. Hear me in this. This is the principle we're looking at. Okay? God sent Elijah, a man of God, to provide for the widow. How did Elijah show up with flour on his back and with jars of oil to provide for the widow? No. God sent a man of God with a principle that would change her life if she would believe enough to receive and act on it. And friends, can I tell you, that's my heart for this series. Is that I can't, in our, we can't meet every need you have. I can't do it. We don't have the finances to pay those bills that are weighing you down. I, I, I don't have the power in me. I have the whole power of the Holy Spirit to heal you, but I don't, have, I don't have all wisdom. I don't have, but can I tell you, I can give you a principle. Like Elijah gave a widow who was literally ready to die. I can give you a principle from God's word that if you will apply to your life, it will change your life for the better. I can't do it for you though. We gotta put God first. Elijah provided not with more flour or oil, but by giving her the principle. She had one meal left, but the man of God said, put God first and watch what will happen to your flour and to the jar of oil. When our son Gavin was first born, 
can I tell you, I was just getting into ministry. I had been in ministry for a little bit. And I was in kids' ministry. And I don't know if you know this, but you don't get into ministry to be a millionaire. Okay? Can I just be honest with you? Okay? Especially kids' ministry. Gavin was born, and Leslie, she was a nanny for a wonderful couple. And so she was staying home with Gavin. And I got to tell you, we got to the end of our rope financially. Like, I'm going to have to deliver pizzas or something. I'm already working 50-plus hours a week. Like, I, I got to figure something out. But we prayed and we believed and we said, Lord, we put you first in our money. We give our tithe. Lord, as soon as we get paid, we give you the first. We give you 10%. Lord, we are generous people. And so we declared the promises of God. And one month, we got a $500 check in the mail. And it didn't have a return address. And the check didn't have a name or an address on it. So it had our name on it, but no other name, no other way of tracking this person down. 500 bucks. (sighs) we can make it one more month. (laughs) But the next month came and another check came. Same person, same handwriting, don't know who it was. Don't know who it is. And the next month and the month after that and the month after that, for a full year, 12 months, someone gave us $500. And I don't know for sure who it was. And at the end of that year, we were at a place financially where we could stand around our own two feet and we were ready to, to move on. And this is exactly a modern day version of what happens in First Kings. Because the promise is that the flour and the oil won't run dry until it rains. Why? Because when it rains, the, the ground is back. And guess what? You can go back to work. You can go back to work. And when we got a year's worth of that, it got us to a place where we could stand on our own two feet and I was making some more money and we made some changes and we, we learned a lot and we could stand on our own two feet. And God provided. Why? Because we're just good people? No. We understood the principle of the first. And when you put God first, everything else in your life that feels chaotic, that feels out of control, that doesn't seem to be going right, it comes into order. It's a spiritual and it's a practical discipline. And when we do that, and that's the first commandment, he's first. And that's why God said, do this message first, (laughs) not last. This is my heart for this series, that just like the widow whose life was changed for the better, because she got a word from the Lord and she applied the principle to her life, my heart is that for you. I believe that if we will take these over the next several weeks and we listen to these 10 principles, these commands, and we apply them to our lives, that our lives will drastically change for the better. Things come into order. I'm going to cover a lot. If Hopefully you know the 10 commandments. If you don't, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about intimacy and sexual relationships with your spouse. We're going to get into it, okay? We're going to get into a lot of stuff this series. We're going to dive into a lot of different topics. But for today, remember this. Worship God only. And put him first in everything you do. Put him first in your money and your tithe. Put him first in your marriage and your household and your job and your day. And you will see the goodness of the Lord. I promise you that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for principles to live by. God, I just pray that you would give us the boldness. Holy Spirit is our helper. Would you help us remember what we talked about and studied today? Will you help us apply it to our lives today and this week? And God, I pray that as we apply it to our lives, that your word is true that, Lord, you made promises to us that things in our lives, they come into order. 
the things that need to be adjusted, things that need to be fixed, things that need to be addressed, Lord, they come into order and you help us deal with them. And Lord, I pray for all of us that maybe if we have a need right now, an unanswered prayer right now, Lord, I pray that you'd give us the boldness to seek you and to put you first so that you can move in our life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.